I'm Maddie. And I am Ryan of the Mutant Ages fame. Hi, everybody. Thank you for <laughs> Hi, joining everyone. us today. <laughs> Hello. Uh, welcome to the Mutant Ages, a show where we review every adaptation of the X-Men. And this time we're reviewing a comic book, which I would argue is still an adaptation of the X-Men. Actually. It is. It Even is. in comic book form. Because it's the X-Men Evolution comic book, the spinoff dubiously canon comic book series and we read them all back when we were young we experienced a change we felt a power grow in us both wonderful and strange the power to care about the x-men and the mutant brotherhood and all of their adventures This is the first time on this show where we've actually talked about an X-Men comic. Shocking, because it's been four years of X-Men. Well, okay. To be fair, we talk about the comics all the time. Well, on this yeah, show. I mean, we're, the whole point of the show is comparing <laughs> the comics to their these adaptions that are happening. Although, at this point, our show has just gotten so big that it really can be whatever we want it to be. Well, I don't think anybody's going to get mad at us. I don't no. think anyone cares what we do. We can do whatever I, we want. I would argue that our show isn't even what I just said. Our show is really now just about us consuming X-Men media of any kind and then being like, who fucked? <laughs> <laughs> Which honestly doesn't match what our original conception of the show was, but that's that's fine. You know, that's what growth is for. Um, that's not why we're here. <laughs> so this comic book series came out from 2001 to 2002. There are nine issues, although the ninth issue was written and drawn by two different people and doesn't have a lot of plot in it honestly it's mostly just like sort of a sitcom setup where the x-men have a party at the mansion while xavier's out of town i i would say it's skippable i didn't really care for it and it's totally different you're talking about that one issue at the very end yes the ninth issue but but issues one through eight i um i guess i would recommend them but they're kind of weird yeah okay so they're weird for a couple reasons one being I think there was some serious communication errors happening between this team and the TV show team because they're clearly writing in stories that are supposed to fit in with the canon of X-Men Evolution, the TV show. Right. We're seeing some... But while the show was on, like while the show was currently airing. I, I almost feel like one production team, say the animation team, was like, okay, we need you to tell these stories uh, because we're not telling them on the show. And then not giving any more information as to what the show was doing. So they were probably in production at the same time, right? Yeah. I mean, that's why I say dubiously canon, because I I don't think this is could be considered canon because there's I think the concepts are canon. I think the plots are canon and they can and the concepts. But I think a lot of I don't care if it's canon or not. I feel like we should clarify that we are not the canon police. Like this is an enjoyable. It has some enjoyable stories and that's enough. You know, it does feel like X-Men Evolution. I feel like that 
part is true. But I think Devin Grayson, who wrote the comics, she obviously was just watching the show as it went along. But I don't get the impression she didn't seem from a writer perspective to have access to like advanced notes or advanced stories because she's not yeah. incorporating in like all these additional details. And also she's adding in her own. I mean, as far as we know, her own details that the show then doesn't incorporate, which in some cases is kind of too bad. So it's almost like fan fiction. And I don't mean that in a derogatory way, which of course we love fan fiction here. So why would it be derogatory? But it it does sort of come off as very slickly produced X-Men evolution fan fiction. You know what I mean? Because it's like, this is, this is it. This is the characters, but it's just a little bit adjacent to the show in a few key ways. And so one of the key differences between the comic books and the TV show is sort of and it changes halfway through this and what you can tell Devin Grayson either yes. got notes or saw the TV show and was like, hey, this doesn't match what I wrote. And which <laughs> the first three yep. or four issues, mutants are like people know about mutants and then they just suddenly don't anymore. Because like in the TV show, yeah. nobody knew of the mutants existence. I know. Like in the in the first few issues, I actually really liked this concept though, which is why it's too bad. But in the first few issues, like I mean, I like my idea that Xavier just brainwashed the world into forgetting again. Well, he could have brainwashed like individual towns, I guess, but he couldn't have stopped like the news broadcast right. about Wolverine, which is shown in this the early comics, where yeah. it's like, wait, people know about Wolverine? And they're like, What's up with this guy? Okay, also some interesting facts about this is that the comic book marked Logan and Storm as younger. Like, they're not in their 30s. They're, like, college. Yes! I actually really like this, too. I decided that is now canon for me because it worked I know. Me too. <laughs> in a way that I could, like, tolerate it. For a few it. reasons. <laughs> um, one is that I've complained a lot about the depiction of Storm on this show. I mean, now that it's over, I guess it's like, well, I can just say I still think that the depiction of Storm was, was a disappointment to me. But if Storm is only like 22 and she barely knows how to use her powers yet, that makes a lot more sense. And like she's only just met other mutants for the first time in her life. This comic book series establishes that she did live in Africa. She was seen as a goddess there. But then she starts going to college in New York City. I don't know why, but that's what she does. And so she's a college grad and she's in grad school. And that's how she meets Professor Xavier. But she's young. Like, she's young. She's smart, obviously. This is issue one, by the way. I guess we're in issue one yeah, now. <laughs> we are, we're talking about issue one. But I'm just saying... I agree with you. And I really like the idea of Logan being super young as well. And I feel like that's backed up by this that series. That makes it a little less creepy for him and Gene to be having those moments together. It's still creepy. It's though. not as creepy if he's like 22 versus like 16. I know it's not I great, agree. but I it's agree. better than 33 versus 16. I agree. But I also think that's something that's changed politically in the past 20 years. Like there's so much more conversation now about how the idea of like a college grad dating a high school student is fucked up. Whereas back then, like X-Men 2000 has a not insignificant plot line where Rogue is 16 or whatever and has a huge crush on Logan. And that is like chill. That's like <laughs> in that movie. Like that's, and I was a high school girl shipping them. Well, same. And I didn't think the age difference was a big deal. Obviously I was in high school, so that was coloring my experiences. But I think in the past 20 years, we've only recently started to be like, it's a little fucked up if you're in your mid-20s and you date a 16-year-old. In this time period when the comics were being written, and there is a joke between Wolverine and Jean where Wolverine is checking Jean out and saying that she's hot, 
But I just don't think that at that time that would have even been a flag for anybody editing it. I think people were like, yeah, of course he would think that she's hot. And like, I just, I just, I mean, it's more just me looking at it and being like, wow, times have really changed. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, I just, I don't think they would have even drawn that today. Like, I think today they would be like, this is disgusting and we don't want Wolverine to be seen as a bad guy. Right. But back then he wouldn't have been seen that way. It would have been like, well, he's 22. What do you want? He thinks a 16 year old girl is hot. Don't you? Like, I'm going to point out that Xavier's also in that scene also thinking she's hot, which was like really weird. Oh boy. But even that, it's like, it was just sort of more socially acceptable to be like, yeah, teenage girls are hot, bro. Like, and you, you didn't really think about the fact that you're taking advantage of them. Right. Well, so we've talked about this on the show before, but we've been in a lot of like cosplay and theater communities where there were huge age differences. Yeah. And like, that's part of why I feel like the show works in a way where I'm like, well, these are a bunch of people who've kind of been thrown together because they're all queer people who are marginalized which a lot of the people in our social circles were yeah you know what that is a fair point and also in the 90s like i feel like the idea of a teenager or somebody in their early 20s even now i'm not going to say this isn't happening especially now especially among queer people because they're only 10 yeah. percent of the population and back then it was less that was we even are out. more than 10 percent at this point but well but ryan you know what i'm saying though yeah. where it was like part of why age gap relationships weren't considered as strange for queer people in particular was because it was so hard to even meet other queer people. Uh, but yeah, it was that's like, what I'm saying. Well, yeah. I guess I'll date a 19 year old. Like in the eighties and the nineties, like there would be a 40 year old man dating a 19 year old. And, and, like, and that wasn't considered weird yeah. because it was just much more socially normalized to have like a daddy who's teaching a young cub, the ways of the world because the world was fucking scary and you could die. And having an elder around to teach you how to navigate that shit was actually like a respectable position. Do I think some of those relationships were also fucked up? Yes. But again, that's something that's only now being talked about because now those relationships can be public in the first place. Right. You know? Yeah. Anyway, all this anyway. to say, this comic was written 20 years ago, but I really like the idea of Logan and Storm being 22. Beast is not. Beast is older. Beast is a, is a queer daddy who adopts Logan suddenly. Uh, well, that explains some things. Okay. Also, well, I think he's older. I think Beast is maybe in his mid 20s. I, I also want to point out that Devin Grayson, who wrote this, is also queer. Yes. She's openly bisexual. Which is important. It is important because she was actually writing openly queer stories she was out before she was even contracted to write this she's mostly done a lot of work with dc um she and her then girlfriend were really obsessed with batman the animated series for a long time and then How she could got you not be of course <laughs> i well she wrote a lot of really good nightwing comics and i've been reading like a bunch of stuff about her life story and like she just seems really freaking cool so that's like another layer to this is that this is a writer who absolutely understood the queer subtext of the X-Men. Clearly, I'm becoming a Devin Grayson stan. And I say that even though there are also parts of these comics that I'm like, they're a little rocky. You know, like, I'm not, I'm not saying these are perfect comics. No, but I am Googling the Nightwing comics she wrote. I didn't realize she wrote that entire Nightwing run that I read and loved. The one yes. where it's like, wow, Dick Grayson is like super bisexual, right? And now knowing that it was written by a queer writer, it makes so much more sense to me. Hell yes. And also she is super into writing about like traumatic experiences and like exploring yourself. I mean, she's done a lot of uh, interviews and stuff about that. So I actually really like that piece of this. And most of the stuff that I think is rocky about these comics is like, 
canon and like big plot stuff where I'm kind of like, this doesn't make sense, but who cares? You know, like the dialogue is fun. The setups are fun. If that's enough for you, like read these comics because they're very fun. You just kind of have to look at it and be like, okay, so this plot, like I consider what happens in these comics as part of the canon, but I have to remove pieces of it where like this part doesn't work. So I think we may as well dive in. We can't do a blow by blow like we do typically. Yeah, we're not we're not going to do a blow by blow. But I will say, if you want to read the comics, maybe go ahead and pause the show here. Go ahead and read them because we will obviously be spoiling the comics as we as we do a deeper read of each of them. Um, But if you heard what we just said and you were thinking to yourself, I think I want to give these a shot. Go ahead. They are. uh, The first comic in particular. I mean, let's go ahead and dive in. The first comic in particular, I was like. Is this going to be a rough go? Because like there's some moments uh, yeah. in here that I was like, what is yeah. going so on? It's also telling three different stories. <laughs> yes. Like they're so the first one is there's Xavier and Magneto and they're yes. hanging out. They're bros. They are dating. Can we clarify this? They're yeah, dating. Okay. They're <laughs> sitting in front of a fireplace drinking wine together and nobody else is there except is for Magneto's, <laughs> Magneto's maid. <laughs> Who is Mystique? Who is wearing a sexy maid outfit, which is like <laughs> Mystique is just having a great time. Like we, we don't never know why find she's doing out. Any of so this. this is much like the show. The comics also unceremoniously end, so we never find out why Mystique was doing this. I guess this is before <laughs> the time period when Mystique becomes the principal of Bayville High. I mean, I guess I don't know what's going on here. <laughs> It's like a weird polycule that the three of them are in. I, I don't know what that's about. And Xavier doesn't know about Mystique, supposedly, but Magneto does. Yeah, he doesn't know about Mystique. And there's this weird scene where Magneto and Xavier are talking about mutants in front of the maid, which I don't think that should have been um, drawn that way. I feel like the maid shouldn't have been present in that scene. I feel like the maid didn't need to be there. I think they just wanted to like... I don't know why. I I don't think she needed to be there at all. Mystique didn't need to be in this comic because she never shows up again. And I look, I love Mystique. Would have loved to see a storyline with her. Well, actually, Risty shows up later. But but anyway, this scene makes no sense. And it makes a lot more sense if it's just Xavier and Magneto talking alone. And I liked it from that vantage point, if you ignore the weird maid part of it. Yeah, I mean, it was very them. Like, it's just them doing their typical thing where Magneto's like, we got to stand up for ourselves. And Xavier's like, no, we need to comply with Republicans, basically. And we're like, (laughs) okay, Xavier, thank you. Thank you for that. And and Magneto is like, "Uh, no. And then he shows Xavier a broadcast. I mean, this is the kind of thing that makes no sense where they're watching a tv broadcast of logan fighting a bear in a cage match and he shows his claws (laughs) okay also where did this footage come from why is it on the news like why was the news watching a cage match with a bear i I mean i guess you would watch it if it was like mutants exist and we're gonna fucking show this on the news because that's crazy yeah I mean, I feel like the only read I could take on this is that they're doing like a news broadcast. They were like, we saw something crazy in the woods. It looked like a man with claws. What is this? But not knowing that mutants exist, that makes sense. And then Magneto being like, right. well, we got to go recruit this bitch. You know? Yeah, 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 yeah. But then it's like, no, it's official. And he's in a cage match and like getting paid to be a mutant. Meanwhile, also in this issue, Storm is in grad school and just using her mutant powers out on the street. <laughs> 
up like there's like a car crash right there's or a car something. crash and she prevents it like with her wind powers and and like saves somebody and it's just like oh yeah i have mutant powers and i just use them everywhere i go to save people but everybody in that it's like oh cool you have powers yeah, and everybody's it's like, very strange it. it's i don't know not so, logical at all it's not i felt like this whole this comic was not great because i mean i feel like the writing was fine yeah but it's the premise right. yeah the premise of it doesn't really work but there are some key things about it that I really liked. Again, I like that Storm is so young. I, it just helps me understand the comics and the show more to be like, okay, I need to like reframe. Right. Storm's not 35 anymore. You know what I mean? Like I need to like reframe my perception of her. And then also Xavier, the writing for Xavier is like spot on throughout this entire series. Oh my God. Okay. It's clear that Devin Grayson also hates Charles Xavier and it like comes through and I appreciate that. We shouldn't like say we know what she's thinking. However, Xavier's a dick in these and I love it because it's so in character and he seems so fucking manipulative like every step of the way. It's so good. I love that part of it It, because it seems really spot on and I just, I don't know, I enjoyed it. Also important to mention that this first comic is only happening about i would say like one year before the beginning of the tv show if that yeah 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 because well there's a line in there where storm and logan are like oh it's been a year since you brought us on yes and then they then they go and recruit scott summers right yeah and yeah and it's not long after that that we are lining up for meeting Gene and then Toad and what's happening with all of that yeah so it's actually it makes it a little bit more interesting because it shows that Storm and Logan aren't like that seasoned with Xavier because remember in episode one, Logan was just like gone, like off biking somewhere. And then he came back. He's like, Oh, Hey Chuck, I heard you needed some help. Yeah. It does make a lot more sense. And also when Beast is is recruited, which I actually really liked, I mean, we're, we're skipping it around a little bit, but when Beast is eventually recruited, Xavier's basically like, I need somebody to actually hang out and teach these kids because Logan and Storm keep bouncing. <laughs> It's like, yeah, that was actually a really funny moment. I really like that. Like, if that at that point, it felt like Devin Grayson had been watching the show quite a bit and had been like, "What's up with this?" Like, (laughs) I don't know. I really appreciated that. I'm trying to find the artist, by the way, because I actually like the art a lot for what it's worth. It's it's very like cartoonish. I have I have the graphic novels here, which I'll okay. Well, first of all, the graphic novels. The, I have two. One's the, a regular sized volume. Like, it looks like a normal sized graphic novel, but the first one is like a manga sized graphic novel for some reason. Weird. I don't have any explanation why that is. Um, but the artwork is by Udon with Lon Vo, Charles Park, and Saka of Studio XD. So it's like a whole studio that was doing it. Oh, well, I like it. It, it. it took a little bit of getting used to, but it's pretty similar to the show in a way that is is kind of useful and helps it feel more canon in a way, even though the actual content of the issues is confusing. Right. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to shout it out since we're talking so much about Devin's writing. Do you want to move on to issue two or is there anything else in issue one you want to shout out? No, issue issue two is, I mean, we're at that point. Issue two is Scott. Scott Summers' origin story. This is another scenario, insane scenario where we don't see what happened that prompted his powers to start. He's just in a hospital blowing holes to the ceiling and everyone's like, okay, He's got an eye problem. And I'm like, what's happening? (laughs) Yeah, I know. So then Xavier shows up and is like, figures out the Ruby Quartz thing. 
and then kind of bullies a bigoted doctor into helping Scott. Oh, right. Isn't this where an Xavier comes in? He comes into the hospital and brainwashes everybody. Right? Brainwashes people and also uses telepathic messages to be like, be nice to mutants, asshole. Which like, whoa, like this is intense. I mean, I don't dislike the characterization of Xavier at all. I thought it was interesting. No, I, I loved it. Although... I don't know. Like the, the, the question of like whether or not people know about mutants is still sort of doesn't really quite hang together, but, but whatever. Um, so then also I liked that Scott is scared to get on the plane, by the way. I liked that part. Oh, I liked that too. And they kept that all in there that he says that he was orphaned. Yep. I mean, they say that he was still in an orphanage when Xavier adopts him, which I enjoyed. Yeah. I liked all that. And like, he still has the same backstory where he, and right. Alex are falling out of the plane. I like all of it. I really appreciate that this story actually went ahead and said that Xavier is actually his father in this now because he goes and adopts Scott. Yeah. They're like, well, we can't send him back to the orphanage. And right. Xavier's like, that's okay. I'll, I will adopt him. Mm-hmm. So that explains a lot in the TV show, honestly. And honestly, I think that the TV show may have tried to hint at that concept and we didn't really get to hear it out loud. Yeah, I mean, I I like it too. It explains it explains everything that we'd already assumed. Okay, so I there's a couple things here. Um first I want to talk about this line that Xavier has in here when Scott says, "By the way, professor, I really appreciate I should do this in Scott's voice where it's like, "By the way, professor, I really appreciate everything you've done for me." I think that's that's not what he sounds like. Uh, Anyway, so he says, but just so you know, you really don't have to try to make people be nice to me. And Xavier says, ah, you mean that little bit of influence I exercised at the hospital? You're right, Scott. I should have never behaved so manipulatively. It felt wrong. And yet it was effective. And it's like... Like, oh, did it feel wrong to you? Because you did it to like six separate people at the hospital. And like Scott noticed it, Uh, which is saying something because he's not a telepath and he noticed what was happening. Like, that's how weird people were acting. And Xavier doesn't even apologize for it. He's like, he's just like, yeah, that was a little weird, wasn't it? But also it was pretty cool, right? And Scott is like, no. I like how Xavier's like, you're right. It was very manipulative. But like, should we stop doing it? And I was like. I like this line a lot. It was really good. There's also another scene here I really enjoyed where Logan is driving Scott's car in the TV show. So it's implied that Logan was utilizing that before Xavier gave Scott the car. Yeah. Logan got a motorcycle at some point, I guess. I don't know. I mean, it's Logan. He has a hard on for motorcycles. But first, he seems to have a hard on for Scott in the car. I was like really surprised by how romantic the scene is because they go out to lookout point together and sit in the car and basically hold hands. And I was like, they're like watching the sunset in this convertible on lookout point and i was like yeah what are you guys doing i was like is this <laughs> this is really gay right like it is and it's not because logan also seems annoyed in the way that only logan can be you know like he's annoyed by like scott being such a suck up and like all that stuff and they end up stopping a bank robbery together that's how the comic book ends we get some super heroics here right and scott already has a uniform i i feel like some some time has passed here that we haven't seen yeah i don't know xavier just had spare uniforms for when he planned on adopting 
adopting young boys. Or Scott already had this uniform on his own? I don't think he already had that. Scott's not... Scott doesn't seem convinced that he's going to even be an X-Men at first, so... Yeah, I don't know. But regardless, Logan and Scott stop a bank robbery. And this is another scene where people seem to know about mutants and they're already biased against them. Well, I think this next issue, the one with Gene, is the last time where we see that happen. Because then after that... There's a whole line where Xavier's like, we can't expose ourselves because nobody knows what mutants are yet. Yeah. Yeah. And there's it's some, like, there's oh, some don't worry about here. it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I think this next issue is close before the first episode of X-Men Evolution. I don't think it's directly before because like Gene and Scott are least in Beva long enough for Gene to establish herself there as a character. Mm-hmm. So like we have to assume that maybe a year went by between this next comic in the first episode of X-Men Evolution. Yeah. But there's two major plots going in here that we both like. There's like Jean losing her shit, like absolutely fucking going bonkers, throwing shit around telekinetically. And then Toad being like, I hate myself and I should die. Like those are the, the two plots. And it's important because like there's a whole lead up to it, but sort of at the end of this issue, I mean, we could go into more detail about it, but Toad basically almost dies and Gene and Scott help him. And then I think it's like Xavier's like, fuck this guy. And Gene's like, (laughs) you know, she's the one that suggests eventually bringing Toad in. Which doesn't happen. No. Because then when Toad shows up to the mansion... He and Nightcrawler get into a fight instant. Well, Storm actually attacks him. God, that, that whole thing is so fucked up. Well, the, Xavier told her to do that. All right. Well, so so this issue involves Jean's powers going crazy and then Jean's parents coming over to Xavier's and being like, hey, can you help our daughter? And meanwhile, they're like, they're like, we went to school with Xavier. We're good friends. And then yeah, we get to see him. thought bubbles because we hear everything everyone's thinking. And Jean's parents are like, this guy's fucking a whack job and mutants are disgusting and we kind of hate our daughter now. And it's like, Jesus. Yeah. It's fucking intense, especially because Jean obviously is the person, at least I assume she's the person who's hearing all of this all the time. So it's like now she knows her own parents think she's a freak, which is like, fucked up uh yeah i i think that's fucked up too and so xavier's like yeah i'll help her with that and then the other plot b of this because now we have two plots is toad trying to make friends and he's like watching these people play basketball and he's like hey guys check out how good i am at basketball and they're like you're fucking queer dude like we don't yeah. want gays on our team you like faggot and we're like jesus like yeah. and so they kick him out and i'm like what the hell yeah it's fucked up this is like I like how you and I are so sympathetic to the Brotherhood in X-Men Evolution. Well, this this whole comic is extremely sympathetic to Toad. Yeah. Honestly. I, I feel like this is Devin Grayson watching the show and being like, Toad is a sympathetic character and I'm going to write him as such. Like, he doesn't do anything really that evil here up until he has the meltdown on the bus and is kind of like... He's basically been radicalized into like school shooter territory where he's like, everybody fucking hates me. So I'm going to crash this bus. Yeah. Which is unfortunate. I know. I mean, we're not even there yet because first Jean loses her mind because she hears everybody in the halls. Okay, and we why s- did they send her to, to school so early? Like, I was like, why is she here? Like, I, she can't know, turn off her powers. And Xavier's like, she should go to a high school. Like, she's walking down the hallway and hearing she can all hear these thought bubbles. Every single thing, every single person is thinking 
panicking. And so she's having a full-blown panic attack in the hallway. And Scott is like, Jean, Jean, Jean. And it's like, I, oh, my oh God. Oh, my God. I Can know. everyone stop? Like, oh, God. There's a lot of little thought bubbles in here. And they take time to read because it takes up the entire page. I don't know why there's so many of them. But they're all really funny. Well, because it's overwhelming you. But, yeah, they are right. pretty funny. I, and I, I, I loved reading some of them. Like, one of them said, that driver's ed movie better not be as gross as Christine said it was. And all I can think about is how that was a thing. Yes. When we were kids and everyone, you know, we were like, everyone's like, wait until you see the crash scene at driver's ed. And like, got me so anxious and it was like the most boring piece of film i'd ever seen but like everybody amped it up like yeah it was... everybody acted like it was so disgusting and it was yeah. also like why were we watching that like i'm not saying it was that gross but like did that really help us prevent crashes i don't know that it did yeah I... yeah i know and then there's like some other girl who's like who's that with scott she better not be his girlfriend and i was like oh my yeah, god yeah all the girls think scott is hot in this comic which is sort of interesting where they're like his shades are weird but scott's really hot and yeah, i was like i don't know if that's quite it but the final thing i want to point out is that somebody says that spider-man thing on tv last night was so cool i wish i could fly around the city like that so this is continues to establish that the greater marvel universe does exist within yeah. the X-Men evolution, which we knew already. We saw Nick Fury. We've seen Captain America on ice. We did see Captain America on ice, but I don't know if Spider-Man is supposed to exist in this world. Like, this also feels like something where retroactively, Devin Grayson had to be like, uh, whoopsie. <laughs> Spider-Man isn't real yet. Okay, okay but freq- how frequently does it that X-Men and Spider-Man crossover because they're both about mutation and like, right. I mean, the story's always the same. It's, it's like Peter Parker being like, hey, I can't control my mutation right now and I don't know what to do about it and and Xavier's like, well, I can't help you because you're not truly a mutant. So, well, we're going to do that issue next. Oh, my God. But that's first, true. we have this whole um, situation where I really liked Storm and Jean's conversation. So Jean has a meltdown at school and she comes home and she runs into Storm. This is the kind of thing I wish had happened on the show where Storm has like an actual conversation with Jean about like controlling your powers and like anxiety and figuring out how to be a person. I really enjoyed it. Um, And she basically is like, I'm also super powerful and I feel all the weather around me all the time. And it took a lot for me to figure out how to like feel that and move past it as opposed to letting it um, take over my life. I know. And And it's a good conversation. I I really liked it. And this was around where I like Googled the writer and I was like, who is this person? And I found out that she was a bisexual woman. And I was like, (laughs) oh, sick. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, And then we have all these scenes of Jean practicing her psychic powers with Xavier. She and Scott are super flirty in this in ways that they honestly aren't in the show. But like, I really like all those scenes because they're fun. I feel like it and it awkward because like even though she's dating Duncan at least gives us the background that the show frankly didn't give us where yeah. suddenly we're supposed to be like oh Gene and Scott are into each other now and Scott's definitely not dating Nightcrawler <laughs> Yeah, Although I yeah. will point out there's a scene coming up in which Kurt like wants Cyclops to make out with him that's in there yeah oh yeah of course it is but Kurt isn't even in these series yet no um so then the final scene is the scene where Toad uh, spits acid onto the bus driver's face to like crash the bus and is basically just like fuck my life I just want to die um, and that is his plot line he just wants to die and that is the saddest shit ever it's really dark and Scott reveals his mutant powers not that everybody sees it but he basically just uses a beam to like make a telephone pole crash over in front of the bus so that it doesn't careen off of a cliff and kill everybody including right. Toad 
And at the end of the comic, Toad is thinking to himself, I wish that Gene and Scott hadn't saved me and had let me die. Like, he is thinking to himself, I wish I had died. Yeah, and Gene I mean, hears it. Like, hears it in his head. I think Toad, I, I know he's hijacking the bus to, like, and everybody would have died, but I think he was just honestly trying to kill himself. That's what I think I agree. was happening. I feel like that's how it's presented, too, is that yeah. he is... I mean, in the way that um, extreme depression can make you selfish, which I say as a depressed person. And hurt people around you at the same time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like he is extremely traumatized from being bullied. I mean, he's also homeless. Like, this is a kid who needed an intervention. Actually, you know what? That's a fair point. Like, he's trying to kill himself, but also maybe also try and take out all the people who just bullied him during basketball. Absolutely. So he is in a tough spot. And yeah. he doesn't die. And Gene is like, we should take him to the Institute. And then when he goes there, we know how that goes. <laughs> almost dies again. Yeah. Um, so that's that's that comic. But I don't I think time passes between that time and then. I agree. And, then, and so I feel like that is the last issue that really is as clunky as it is, um, because after that, it goes back to like, nobody knows about mutants. We don't know we exist because the next story is about Kurt hiding who he is. This story was really good. So this is like an entire story about how Kurt hates himself so much. Like this was this was hot off of Toad's suicide moment. I know. Um, his suicide bus. And then we have Kurt who like Who's already re- living at the Institute by yeah, this point. And he's he I think he's new enough now that he is just playing with his image inducer all the time. And you know, he walks around uh the mansion with it on and he goes to school like that and there's like moments of showing him in the danger room and he's in his human forms and they make a comment because like i think something goes wrong in the danger room and they're like kurt you would be more agile if you were not hiding all your attributes and like you know using your tail and stuff and kurt's like but i hate myself and i don't want to see that and then somebody, I think, I don't know who it is. Is it Kitty who makes a joke about him wearing it to bed, which he's not doing currently? Yeah, I think it is Kitty where she's like, I hope you don't wear the image inducer to bed, right? Like, that would probably be really uncomfortable. And Kurt is like, ha ha, I would never do that. Oh, no, it is Kitty. She comes in because she's like a geometry book or something. And she's like, you don't sleep like that, do you? And he goes, like what? Or she, like what? And Kitty's all like, <laughs> all image inducery and stuff and he goes oh ha no of course not and she goes okay well good night and then he sadly says good night and shuts the door he does go to bed and he turns the image inducer off and immediately has a dream that he's in school and the inducer breaks like malfunctions yeah and that it's he's blue in front of everybody and everybody's oh no he's not just blue he is having the classic naked in school dream yeah and everybody's pointing at him and laughing which you know that's sort of the horror of that nightmare that people have but also they're mocking him for what he looks like And so Mm -hmm. he wakes up and he turns the image inducer back on because he doesn't even want people to find him in the mansion like that. And it's just really sad. And throughout the whole issue, it's him being like unfocused and falling down. Like they're doing yoga sessions and he's falling down and Rogue's like, what the hell? She's like, you (laughs) are an acrobat and I don't understand why you can't do this. But it's because he's wearing his image inducer during that scene. So he like doesn't really have a sense of what his body actually looks like and like can't stay focused when he's in that induced form. It's interesting and sad. Right. I mean, Rogue Rogue is also falling down. She has a she has a line where she says, I am so not a tree. And I love that. (laughs) 
Uh, and then Xavier like rolls in and he's like, all right, Kurt, I got to talk to you. And here we go again. Xavier's <laughs> oh like, God. what's going on? And Kurt's like, oh, I'm tired from not sleeping well. And Xavier goes, nightmares. And Kurt goes, how did you know? And Xavier goes, well, the problem with being psychic, Kurt, is that sometimes it's very difficult to turn off. Though I would never deliberately invade your thoughts without permission, <laughs> strong psychic disturbances sometimes reach me nonetheless. And I'm it's like... It's just like, okay, great. So you saw his entire embarrassing dream? <laughs> and you went to him and you were like, hey, I saw this. Like, I don't know. It's like, why are you embarrassing this teenager like this? I enjoyed every moment Xavier was like, I wouldn't ever use my powers, but sometimes I just have to. And I was like screaming capping and taking pictures and sending them to maddie i'm like it's unbelievable the amount of times he says these things because it's like at this point it's obvious that the writer is like xavier just goes into people's minds without their permission ever i mean at least in this situation it's like is he telling the truth we don't know we'll never know i don't feel like he is he's like oh i just i don't typically go into people's minds but if you're in distress i just happen to listen to the entire thing it's a total accident i'm like yeah whatever yeah there's like another scene in here where like there are a bunch of seniors i guess doing that thing that classic movies do where like the seniors come in they're like oh let's bully the freshmen which you know i just want to go on and stop this podcast for a second and say that i dealt with so so much harassment in grade school growing up that i was terrified to go into high school because of how media depicted seniors picking on the nerds that shit never happened the only people yeah, picked on happened. me was in my own grade like Same. seniors were not fucking like seniors weren't even paying attention to freshmen yeah like, like that nobody had the time maybe somebody could write in and say like oh no the seniors bullied us in high school but i really feel like seniors don't give a shit because they're too busy leaving school like they don't <laughs> give a shit about hazing the freshmen you, that does happen in college. I feel like at some point they like took the college hazing frat shit and just like put it into a high school setting. And but I even don't that know is why. like only in fraternities and it's like regimented because it's like tradition to do that. It's not just like you go why. to college and random seniors are hazing you. Like that doesn't happen either. Like oh, I whatever. Yeah, it's, exactly. it's not a thing. Like people aren't bullying you in school for that like your the people who bullied us were literally our peers or the people we saw every day they weren't people in other grades yeah because, people who knew us well enough to suspect we yeah, were gay like, yeah people <laughs> i mean the only way you would really be talking to people outside of your grade is if you were in some sort of like extracurricular activity together right like you were either but like even then it's like usually you would just be friends because you're all in the right. same club together so <laughs> yeah, why is that, that an issue not really yeah. a thing so like anyway so this this is an important scene because Kurt tells Kitty to leave and Kitty does. And when, and when she tries to, Kurt's like, okay, whatever, I'm still going to do what I'm going to do. He turns off the image inducer and like roars at the people and they freak out and run away. Yeah. And Kitty's like, Oh, my hero. That was so cool. They were so scared. And Kurt's like, yeah, of my stupid, ugly, blue elf demon face. And Kitty's like, you're not ugly, Kurt. Why What? May, why would you even say that? And he's like, uh, well, the people just ran away from me screaming. And Kitty's like, well, they're just idiots, you know? And Kurt's like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. whatever. Um, and I like what Kitty says here. She goes, you know what I like about you? You're kind of weird, but good weird. 
and you're also one of the sweetest, funniest, and most normal guys I know. And she goes, my favorite color is blue. Yeah, which I wonder if this was before or after the episode where um, Amanda says that same line to Kurt later. Right. Because I don't know, like, if, if Devin wrote this line. Yeah. And then maybe the show took it because they liked it so much. I don't know. Uh, there's a couple more things I want to comment on here where there's, like, a conversation when Xavier's like, all right, which one of my students are the worst ones? Like, which one should I kick out? And there's, like, a conversation about Evan very briefly. And Logan kind of is like, you know, I don't know. I'm kind of worried about Kurt. And Xavier's like, what do you think about Kitty? And I like that Logan says that Kitty's aces. And I was like, I fucking love that so much. Um, So (laughs) this issue ends with, like, I guess there was a paper Kurt was writing at the beginning. And it's like. Yeah, that was like, who can you be at home that you can't be at school? Which is basically like, he's allowed to be gay at home. (laughs) This is like crazy. So like. Well, it's, I believe this. So Kurt doesn't do the paper, by the way. But the, the assignment is, uh, what? How do you feel about yourself at home versus at school? Like, what's different? Yeah, like about what you can there, you do at home? Yeah, here and like, yeah. The answer is that I can be gay at home. But all he writes down on the paper is blue, and so the he teacher just writes comes, one word. He just writes blue and, blue. and turns it's it and blue. in. And so he like the teacher comes back and she's like, "Hey, so like." do you need a therapist? Like, are you depressed? And which Kurt goes, no, I'm never depressed, which is also a lie. And then leaves. It's just really sad all around. It reminded me of you, Ryan. Like, like, you not doing the paper and like being really depressed and then doing a version of it. That's like not the assignment. And then the teacher's like trying to help you. And you're like, I'm fine. Fuck off. <laughs> I mean, like, I felt like this version of Kurt Wagner was me. Yeah. Kind of, yeah. Was. I mean, it, it does feel realistic to, like, the kid who's like, well, I'm not going to accept help from you. Like, of course not. But <laughs> they do need help at some level. But it's like, that's not the context that you're going to get I don't know. In, you I, know? I think this is this was probably my second... No, it was probably my favorite of all of them. I like the one that we're about to get to in a couple comics from now, too. But this one was strong. I really enjoyed the idea that Kurt is so... He hates himself. I mean, I don't like it, but I liked this the plot device in which he hates himself so much that he sleeps with his image inducer on and mm-hmm. that he doesn't find himself attractive or... You know, he thinks of himself as a demon, scary being. And, you know, I think that's from his own PTSD from dealing with that from wherever he was in the circus or whatever. Yeah, and that, totally. And then it's like his his friends that and, like yeah. Kitty being like, you know, which is like the trajectory, the actual comic books where she's kind of scared at him at first. And then at the, over time, she warms up and she's like, you know like you're really charming it's kind of sad that like you do this like weird demon thing first like yeah i don't know it's it's good so the next issue this is this one's weird too i feel like this one's like notes of like okay so rogues gotta join the brotherhood before she joins the x-men but it's written in a way where she joins the xavier's mansion first and then goes to the brotherhood for like a day and then comes back and at first i was like oh is she going back to the brotherhood but in this she's like she hasn't even met like fred or pietro yet and i was like which doesn't make sense i i feel like the show i I don't know i look i I felt like this was really confusing mystique tricks rogue into like she's already wristy so it's like oh we're all the way up to that season but like rogue somehow doesn't know pietro and fred and toad like that makes no sense i almost feel like it's more believable to me that she's going back to the brotherhood house but we know on the tv show that she was she had already been there and lived with them because like, you know, I think about that scene 
at the end of season one where everybody was being captured in orbs and everybody got knocked out and Lance and Rogue was like, oh, I'm going to fight you guys. And Lance is like, come on, Rogue, it's over. Like, what what are you even doing? Like, they, <laughs> they have a friendship on some level. And, you know, Rogue was always on the phone with somebody. We assumed it was somebody at the Brotherhood that whole time. So, yeah, because she comic, doesn't have any other friends, especially right. pretty wristy. Yeah. And so that's why I was like, this this issue makes no sense. But I do like the concept that Mystique would be like, I've got to get my daughter back. So I'm going to pose as Jean Grey and all of her friends. And be rude to her, which yeah. Mystique has done before. Right. And it has worked. Right. I also liked some of these specific moments where like the Brotherhood doesn't fully know what Mystique's plan is. So they're just kind of going along with it. And it results in situations where like fake Jean who is secretly mystique is like a huge asshole to rogue. And then Fred comes up and consoles her, which is like just Fred legit being a nice person, which I like. (laughs) (laughs) And that's like how they become friends. It's just that Fred is like, Oh, I just saw somebody else bullying you. And I wanted to check in and see if you were okay, which is honestly like a kinder version of Fred than the show ever did. (laughs) No, I I agree. I agree. I like that. I also like the secondary plot line in this because they were kind of doing a plot, a plot B situation in which Kitty, mom is calling her and Kirk gets really sad and Rogue's like you know like I it's okay Kurt Mystique's not very good at being a mom like trust me like Irene I also wasn't very good at being a mom I mean it's them having that moment together because it's important because later on there's like this there's all the drama here by the way with Gene and Scott and Rogue having a crush on Scott and seeing Scott flirt with Gene and Rogue's like ah this is so gross I don't even know why I'm here fuck y'all I'm like (laughs) yeah of course and she does and so Rogue does go to the Brotherhood because after Mystique has posed as all of her friends and been like you're a piece of shit Rogue like hold on let me see (laughs) if we can find some of them like they're really (laughs) awful like yeah okay so there's one where Scott comes over to Rogue and it's it's Mystique and she as Scott goes you're a good kid and I pity you but don't push your luck you'll never hold a candle to Jean and the idea of you and me ever hooking up makes me laugh which is pretty awful right which is horrible horrible I know and then I think there's one where where's the one where Mystique is Jean that's a good one too that's earlier I'm scrolling up to find it oh here it is okay I got it she comes up to her and she goes Honestly, if he's nice to you, it's just because he feels sorry for you. We all do, honey. We all do. And I'm like, Gene would never say honey. I, I think I wish Rogue could identify that that is a mystique lingo, but whatever. Well, eventually she does. Like at the end of the comic, she realizes that Mystique was impersonating those other people and made Rogue look like a fool in front of them because Rogue then had these conversations with the real versions of Gene and Scott where Rogue was like, an asshole back to them because the last conversation she thought she had with each of them was them being horrible to her. Yeah, exactly. But then they just interpreted it as like, wow, Rogue is just being really rude and standoffish to us and like picking fights for no reason. Like basically Mystique just made her look bad and also like convinced her to leave. Yeah. But then Rogue figures it out because Mystique says some sort of line that's like, wait, you fucking said that as G. Yeah, Pietro like tries to cover for Mystique, which is fun. I actually liked that because Pietro's the one who's like evil. And- <laughs> yeah, I know. It's, <laughs> and it's Fred good. and Toad are just in the background gasping like, wait, what's happening right now? Like they're the ones who like aren't fully looped in on the plan and like don't understand everything. Yeah, Lance is just in the background being like, I'm not part of any of this. Fuck this. It's fun. And so it, it ends with Miss uh, like rogue 
very briefly taking Mystique's and Pietro's powers. I was like, oh, wait, why didn't she get Mystique's memories here? But then I remembered that happened in season one, too. And I'm like, oh, it's because she didn't touch Mystique long enough to really get all that information. But like, she got a lot of them in season one already. And this is way past that. So right, But this is like a quick tap. Well, the one where she gets the information about Mystique being her mom is when Mystique and her touch for like 25 minutes. Yeah. But somehow in this scene, she didn't get that Mystique was wristy, which is kind of unbelievable. But whatever. It's yeah, fine. I believe that, too. And then what I do like is that for some reason, Rogue shapeships into Mystique and goes to Kurt's room while he's sleeping because this is an X-Men thing. <laughs> like We yes! have to stare at other X-Men while they're asleep. And she's like, I'll always care about you, my son. And then she runs away and Kurt says, thank you. I think Kurt knows it's got to be Rogue because I I don't know. Or, or maybe he does believe it's Mystique. I don't know. But whatever it does, it makes Kurt feel better. Yeah. It doesn't really make any sense where it's like, yeah. does Kurt think that was just a dream that he had? What does he think of that? We'll never I don't know. know. Kurt seems to have wild dreams, so I don't know. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay, so here's our other favorite comic, which this does fit. So this is... Issue six. Yeah, so this is somewhere around the time that Beast is either transforming or about to transform because I think it's supposed to be... Okay, so you remember like the Beast of Bayville? There's a part where Evan's skipping school and they're like, Evan yep. keeps skipping school. I think this is that same episode and we're just now seeing where he went. Maybe, but I think it's before that because there's a whole other character and like multiple days that go by in this. So it can't be the same episode. That's true. That's true. But it's of course, it's another Evan story and you and I are like obsessed with it. So yeah, it's great. But it's like, it's not just an Evan story. This is a story that introduces a character who never appears on the show and is from the comics, which is Mimic. And that's just wild to me. I was just like, oh, we're just introducing other characters in this. I was pretty excited about that. But then there's only two more issues in the comics over. So, oh, well. <laughs> so, okay. But this is another issue where, like, Evan is, like, doing all sorts of, like, crazy shit, like, on guardrails and shit because his friends are constantly talking him to go and do Tony Hawk level bullshit. Off. Yeah. Like, he basically has a bunch of Dillweed friends who are like, come on, let's, let's do dangerous stuff constantly. Right. Which is fairly like, realistic you know they're teenage boys yeah and evan's like well it's better than being harassed or being black and queer in school so yeah sure let's go and so then he shows up late to the danger room um session which in that episode beast of Babel, that was a reoccurring theme and they're like you're always yep, late to this he kept being late yeah yeah and yep. so that's why i think it's around that time period because then you know, Evan's like, I'm sorry I'm late. I lost track of time. I'm really sorry. And Cyclops is like, we need to be a team. And before he could even, like, finish the sentence, Xavier wheels in. And he's like, yeah, uh, I need to talk to you, Evan. And, like, brings him in a row into another room. And he's like, you know... I just need you to know that you have no responsibility. And if you're not going <laughs> to cooperate here, I'm going to kick you on the street. Right? Uh, right, Aurora? You better agree with me. Like, that is like a whole conversation that happens here. And I was like, yeah, we're back to this again. We are back to this again. How many scenes on this show did Xavier try kicking Evan out? And here we are again, watching him doing it in comic book form. And it was, yeah. I appreciated it that it was there. I re- it, like it reinstated that Xavier is a piece of shit. Yeah. I liked it though, because Aurora's lines are more supportive 
where she's basically just like, I'm just asking you to try. And, you know, she she only expects him to be yeah. himself. And Evan is still like, you know, being a right. kid and being like, whatever, and like storms out of the room, which that's valid. I mean, that's like the only reaction you really would have. I feel like I might have screen capped and sent that one to you too. And I was like, are you serious? We're doing this again? Like, fuck you, Xavier. How often was this <laughs> yeah. happening to Evan? Like, was it happening every day where Xavier is like, I need to see you in my office, Evan, and being like, if you don't watch yourself, I could put you right back in jail where I got you. Like, what? Yeah, it's like fucking sad. I mean, no wonder he was having so many problems. Yeah, I know, right? Meanwhile, he has all these other friends at school. Like, in the very next scene, the kids are like, let's cut school again. And Evan is like, I don't think I want to. And then, like, his friends immediately start making fun of him for not cutting cutting class with them. And he's like, oh, okay, fine. It's like... I don't know. I just feel sorry for Evan. I do too. So they're skating around on this cliffside. Well, they also meet this this new guy, Calvin, who's Mimic. And they're like, hey, yes. come hang out with Calvin. And Calvin's like, are you afraid to skip class? And so then they go to the cliffside that you're talking about. I just feel like there's so much like homoerotic tension between like this new guy and, and like Evan. Evan I know. Where he's like, come on, I'm weirdly interested in you. And I want you to skip class with me. It's almost like I can tell you're a fellow like mutant slash mutate well i think he does because i think he can tell i think he can sense it on some level because like at some point calvin falls off the cliffside and then grows spikes bones because that's how his powers work when he's near other mutants he can have their powers kind of in a similar way that hope can but i think hope can like retain many at one time and for long Mm -hmm. periods of time where mimic it has to be like within a radius and then as soon as you're out of that radius they just stop working right so he manages to save himself using Spike's spike powers. And so Evan is like, whoa, this guy must be a mutant with my exact same power. That's like exciting and crazy. So he immediately goes to Xavier and he's like, hey, so like I met another mutant today. And like what? How, here's the story. And Xavier's like, what I'm getting from this story is that you skipped class. <laughs> <laughs> and Evan is like, yeah. <laughs> I guess. Yeah, but Evan's like, is that really like what you're gonna focus on right now? It is for some reason. Oh my god. Xavier's just looking for reasons. But then he goes and entertains the conversation. He goes to talk to Calvin's mom, and Calvin's mom's like, Yeah, I think they have a line here where they call her Mrs. Rankin. She's like, That's not my name. Yeah, and she's like, Oh, well, I'm actually divorced from my husband because he was a fucking mad scientist. And like experimented (laughs) on us. So and Xavier goes, Oh, weird. Yeah, and Meanwhile, Mimic has telepathic powers because Xavier's in the house. Right. So so he is communicating with Xavier and Xavier can like hear it and is like, wait, this kid's fucking talking to me. <laughs> like, holy shit. <laughs> so Xavier, I liked how this was drawn. Like Xavier's facial expressions where he's like, whoa, uh, okay, um, this kid is a mutant, I guess. I mean, for now, that's what he thinks. Yeah. And so he... Um, basically opens up to the mom and is like, I think your kid's a mutant and I have a school for mutants and blah, blah. And she's like, oh, well, I just thought that Cal was really good at everything. He always seems to pick things up so quickly, but I didn't know he was a mutant. That makes me wonder how Mimic's powers work. If he's like in class and there's somebody smart near him, does he just also get super smart and have their knowledge as well? I kind of like that if that's true. Yeah. Because it's like, how does he, how does he pick up mutant power specifically? Or can he just pick up anything? I mean, I like that as just his general powers. It's like he can pick up anything that he's close to. Um, So Cal goes to the Institute and with his mom. Yep. And Evan is like so excited to see him. 
And then all of a sudden, Cal fucking flips out because he's surrounded by mutants. And so he grows like spikes and Wolverine's claws, bone claws, and like starts shooting eye beams like Cyclops and like just everyone's in there. Yeah. So he he can't control his powers because he's still just a kid. Um, So Xavier like takes him off into a room by himself and is basically like, okay, let's fucking chill. (laughs) We're in a room by ourselves now. Let me just take a look, see and see how your mutant powers work. Put on this little contraption I made. That's going to do that. And Xavier finds out that Cal is not a mutant. He's mutated, but okay. So this is the part where I think Xavier is a deeply fucked up person. Okay. All right. All right. Go for it. So, so Xavier, instead of having a conversation with just Cal, where he's like, here's your test results. You're not a mutant. Let me talk to you about what this means. He forces Cal out into the living room with literally everyone else he lives with. And he's like, hey, I'm going to publicly announce what your test results are in front of everyone. And they are, you're not a mutant. And (laughs) Cal freaks the fuck out and immediately is like, oh, I'm interpreting this as a rejection. Admittedly, Xavier hadn't rejected him. And he was just like, I just wanted to announce this publicly in front of all my students to see what they thought of it. And it's like, Xavier, how the fuck did you think this was going to go? I don't know. And then like everyone's like, yeah, he doesn't belong here because he's not a mutant. I'm like, what the hell? hell is happening and I like uh, okay so these are impressionable teenagers xavier you needed to talk to cal privately and tell him what the results were and let him process the fact that his dad abused him i mean this is how i interpreted this was that xavier's like you're not really gay you were just raped by your dad as a child that's not the same and cal's like wait what like (laughs) fuck you like what the hell is this conversation like i know that's a very extreme interpretation of this no but i mean that's that's the vibe that's happening because cal's response is so tragic because cal is like okay fine you fucking freaks rejected me then i reject you i hate all of you and it's like you basically just radicalized him like in this moment like why did you do this Xavier in front of everybody like you did not need to do that I just I don't know I hate it and well okay it's amazing writing it's I actually really like the writing here oh me too and at the beginning of the scene Xavier's like I'm like controlling what's happening with my mind right now because you would otherwise lose control of all your powers so I'm gonna put you in this dangerous situation where you're gonna be surrounded by like 10 other people with superpowers and for I don't know how long I can control it. I'm going to reveal something really tragic and traumatizing to you and everyone in the room. And it's like, what the hell, dude? Like, you did not need to go this route, especially because you knew how dangerous it would even be for him to be in the room with everybody. Yeah. I mean, all of it sucks. I hate that he didn't have a private conversation with Cal and that he instead was like, no, let me take you into a room with a bunch of teenagers who don't know what they even think about themselves and are going to be confused and scared. Yeah. Meanwhile, Kurt's on the background being like turning on his image inducer and turning it off again and be like, I'm scared. Like, yeah, it's sad. And then the final couple of pages are like Evan and Cal basically having a little friend breakup where Cal is like, stay away from me, Evan. You're fucking disgusting. And I hate you. And Evan is like, oh okay and it's really sad it is really sad there's also a moment in the middle of here that's like scott and gene where like when they're all evacuating mimics explosion gene's still in the room helping xavier and scott's like i'm not leaving g behind and logan's like we have to leave and scott's like no and like (laughs) logan drags them all out and then logan turns around to cyclops he's like okay is your dick going to be a problem during this? Like, because you're so hard for Gene because you got to get your head in the game. And then afterwards, like, 
Scott walks over to Jean for this. <laughs> I want to say the writing here was so good too because it's I know. like it was so hard to read because it was so awkward. But like I, I believed it as teenagers who like if you had a crush on somebody as a teenager and you didn't really want to reveal it. Yeah, and he like thinks that Jean knows that he has a crush on her, and so okay, he tries I, to like. I, can I please just read this where Scott <laughs> yeah. goes? So uh, I guess you saw what happened back there, and Jean's like, "You mean with Evan's friend?" And Scott goes, "No, no, with us." with me you know when you were and i got all anyway i i think we should just try to let it go and she's like what what goes scott what are you even talking about and scott's like just with the whole team thing and i mean we're gonna be spending a lot of time together and we live together even so it's just it's probably not a good idea right we should probably just not go there and she's like wait can we back up? I'm still not sure what we're even discussing here. And Scott's just like, I just want you to know that it isn't because I don't. I mean, I do. Please just know that I do more than I'd ever be able to say more than I ever thought possible. And then he goes, dot, dot, dot. And he goes, so yeah, well, I'm glad we had this talk, Gene. And Gene's like, Scott Summers, don't make me read your mind because I don't know what the fuck any of that was. <laughs> I mean, it's basically Scott being like, so we both want to fuck, right? Yeah. Well, anyway, we can't. And Gene is like unable to tell what he's saying because he's not actually literally saying that. He's just like, <laughs> he's just like stuttering. And he's like, we both know what happened there. And Gene's like, I don't know, though. It's yeah, but you funny. know what's funny is like, I feel like I've had that conversation before where I'd be like, yeah, so, well, change subject now. Like, it was just, <laughs> it was really well written. I felt like it sounded like a teenager. Yeah, I liked it too. Uh, and that is the end of that tragic episode, our issue. The next issue is really low key. It's, I th- these are obviously like right next to each other in terms of Beast of Babel because now Beast is joining the X-Men, mm-hmm. right? And Xavier's like, Beast, you can't live here for free. You need to fucking work. And Beast is like, okay, I've had a full-time job for years and I was really sad I got <laughs> fired. And Xavier's like, okay, good. And it's like, why is he being so aggressive? I don't know. And I then, just thought it was like weird and funny. for some reason, like, they don't... <laughs> Okay, like then then Beast leaves the room and Xavier turns to Roro and he's like, I really wish we had somebody here to teach. And they're like, Too bad Mr. McCoy can't do it. I'm like, but you just hired him. What are you even <laughs> saying? And then at the end of it, they're like, Scott should be the team leader. And I was like, Okay, I don't know how we got here. But anyway, so this whole issue is like just mutant ball. Yeah, it is. It's literally mutant ball. It's like it's basically just the the X-Men are trying to play baseball together and yeah. like not use their powers and everybody keeps accidentally using their powers and Beast's cool teacher maneuver is basically being like let's play mutant ball. Everybody can use all their powers all the time. Right. And it's way more fun for them. Totally different version of baseball obviously. Very fun to watch play out. There's also like a lot of team captain issues going on between Scott and Evan and who's Yeah, like Evan keeps throwing little tantrums, which is valid because Evan is getting constantly like demonized in this in this school that he's in. And right. like Scott is the little golden boy who like is Xavier's favorite like adopted boy and like Evan is like everybody fucking hates me here and nobody respects me and like nobody listens to me when I'm trying to coach the fucking team and like 
I don't know. It I I felt like this was all well written and realistic, but it is also tragic because it like lines up perfectly with what's happening on the show. You know, it's it's right. good though. I liked it. Right. And we get to see some fun mutant ball shenanigans. We do, we do. I want to point out that there's a a, a boom boom moment where boom boom. Uh, so she's <laughs> with Jubilee, which made me so happy that we got one scene with, with Jubilee, Jubilee, yeah. and boom boom, and boom boom goes Jubilee. Hold on a sec, babe. She calls her babe, which I love. <laughs> Fucking yeah. like boom boom, love you. She goes. I've got an idea for old one eye over here. And Jubilee's like, boom, boom, what are you? And then boom, boom, just throws a bomb into the control panel. So everything blows up and then the whole room goes red. Yeah. Jubilee says, Tabitha, you are my kind of evil. And I love it so much. So much. It's fun. They are beautiful in every way. And so then Scott can't see because everything's red. And Jean's just like, just follow my voice because remember, you're going to, you jerk off to me at night. Like, whatever. (laughs) And she's like, I'll just use my telekinesis to make the ball go the right way. Anyway, the most important part of this issue is that at the very end, Beast gets an email. (laughs) Beast gets an email from Mr. Sinister, literally. Literally. I want to point out that Mr. Sinister's name is not discreet. He just spelled it backwards. Yeah, which is it's literally like, what we would like, do. Like, this is what we like, would do. Okay, also, his website is sciencescene.net, which, by the way, I'm going to go there and see if that's anything. That's not real. Wow, this site can't be reached. Okay, we need to buy sciencescene.net and have it redirect to the mutantages.com. Oh my God, can we do it? We can. We can, and we did. So his his stupid email is Zessin as opposed to Essex. It's it's I, so I, funny. I don't know. N Essex. That's why there's an N at the end. Oh my god. Nathaniel Essex. Well, hold on. He he writes it. He's like, dear Doctor McCoy, I've been following your forays into genetic research with great interest and am curious about the future of your investigations. Would you consider accepting a grant from a private philanthropist? I am most anxious that your brilliant mind. Not be distracted from your hereditary explorations by mundane matters much as finance. Please allow me to assist you by telling me how much you might need and where I might send it. I look forward to doing business with you an admirer and i was like what's this <laughs> craigslist bullshit and i love how mr sinister talks by the way like nobody writes in this way ever no i know i know it's truly just like beast i like the animation frame of beast reading the email too because beast looks really <laughs> hot there and beast is like oh what is this sexy email i'm getting from somebody who wants to pay me just for being me i know it's like what is going on it's like a, it is the early age of craigslist pretty much it is and it's also like it is an evil email that Mr. Sinister would send because he's like, okay, this guy's a scientist. He's studying mutation. I also love the fact that in Warcraft Valley, which we're about to read this pretty soon, but like <laughs> Mr. Sinister kept a live journal where it's, in which he would post his plans publicly. Uh, he would do that. And then also comment on other people's journal posts. Like he would go over to Kitty and be like, just so you know, I'm going to kidnap Gambit at 1 a.m. And then Kitty <laughs> would be like, we got to stop him. And then Mr. Sinister would show up at 1 a.m. and still kidnap Gambit. Like, I don't know. I yeah. kind of feel uh, validated in my thought process that that Mr. Sinister would be on these social media sites, not even disguising who he is and just like yeah. being like, like just my literally evil his shit. name backwards. Yeah, it's it's really, really oh funny. My God. And so we're getting up to the last issue here where it, there's also a DM, like an AOL IM conversation <laughs> between Mr. Sinister and Beast. And I was so sad that these comics didn't continue when we got to that because I was like, oh, my God, because like, where was that going to go? Yeah, I don't know. 
blowjobs in the kitchen at night. It's like one of those scenarios where like Beast is like, all right, everybody's in bed, but like you have to come out to the kitchen. I'll let you through the secret entrance and we can like blow each other, but we have to do it quietly. So nobody hears that we're here. And also like Mr. Sinister is secretly there just to steal a bunch of test tubes with like everybody's genetic information. Okay, Mr. Sinister hides behind curtains, which I thought was something we invented for Warcraft Valley. But as Katie nope. sent us in Slack chat the other day, there's like... From the Gambit series, he's just like hiding behind a curtain talking to Gambit and then immediately throws the curtain aside to be like, sinister. And I was like, oh, my God, this man. Yeah. So much at all times. That's what he does. That's what he does. 100%. Anyway, so the final issue is a little weird because like. It doesn't really make a ton of sense, to be honest. This one just doesn't fit at all where it's them going into the Morlock tunnels. It's underwritten. It's basically a rewrite of the storyline that we talked about like way back when we did Callisto's spotlight episode, like way, way, way back where Callisto kidnaps Warren because he's so goddamn pretty and tortures him sexually in the Morlock tunnels, which I'm sorry, but that doesn't fit with this version of Callisto in the show at all. It doesn't. It doesn't even fit with Callisto in this because at no point in this issue does it explain why she did that. No. And I was like, honestly, I can come up with an explanation right now. Technically, Warren should be a Morlock because he can't pass. He has these huge wings, but he's gorgeous and he's rich, so he can pass. So I would buy that Callisto would lose her fucking mind and be so angry at him and would hold him for ransom. And one of her methods of torturing him would be taunting him and being like, you're technically a Morlock, but you little richy rich boy, you can cover because you're rich. I like that. And so I was kind of waiting for that reveal of of her there's no reveal there's no reveal it's not explained it's like why was warren kidnapped by the morlocks we don't know but he was and so it starts out with gene having a psychic vision in the middle of a soccer game and collapsing onto the ground gene gray style and being like oh i saw a sexy angel <laughs> it's actually being really funny. tortured in the sewers sexually <laughs> huh? and scott is like um what's going on and then xavier's like can you please can you please describe this and she's like okay I see him. He's beautiful and muscular and he's just <laughs> glimmering and he has great hair and I just really like his torso and Scott's like, how is this helpful? It's actually like really funny that in the background Scott I keeps know. being like, what the fuck? Is there's like, on? okay, there's multiple times in this where they're trying to save Warren and they're like, and somebody goes, I don't know if we could find him and Scott's just like, guess we should just leave and it's like, <laughs> Scott... Stop being petty for two seconds. And in his defense, at the end, Warren does ask Gene out, and Gene says yes, which is I like, know. what? Um, <laughs> also, in this, they present Warren as a senior. They don't specify if he's high school or college. I have to go ahead and assume that he's a college senior, and that's why he's like living alone. And I feel like that makes sense to me it makes some sense it's also like how is he going to college with those wings but whatever it's fine he just wears a huge trench coat he's not i mean he's clearly (laughs) yeah he stays at home all day watches the news by the fireplace and then flies out to like save people and then comes back and is like i hate myself even though i'm helping people (laughs) like that is that's warren warren worthington everybody so goth and that's i mean in this they also have this whole they don't really have a power struggle between storm and callisto but she goes down there with the team and then eventually, like, beats up a bunch of Morlocks. Yeah, she's having basically a panic attack the entire time because of her claustrophobia, which I didn't hate that. I thought it was realistic that she would be panicking in the sewers. Um, and Scott has this little moment where he's like, Storm, I need people on my team to tell me how they're doing. And I just was like, 
whatever i scott's the leader but he's 16 and storm's 22 why is this happening i thought it was dumb i, I don't know and like the, it, it ends with storm being like i'll be back listo and i was like i, I just feel like this was not it felt like shoehorning in a comic book storyline for the sake of shoehorning it in right and again i don't i don't necessarily blame Devin for this i get like maybe she wanted to include this storyline but it just doesn't quite work or they or they were like okay Devin, this is a story you're gonna write yeah and like it just is kind of clunky in that way but as as we pointed out it does end with these instant messages where yeah. beast is like talking <laughs> to mr sinister sexily on instant messenger and and mr sinister is like i'd really like to meet you in person to discuss this in more detail which gay i mean like <laughs> of the brief brief times i've been on dating apps because i can only do them before so long before i get annoyed and leave they are maddening i completely agree of course i'm no longer on them but i back in the day i know well yeah i mean you're you are engaged now congratulations <laughs> <laughs> and so it's like you'll be on like whatever they are all like for some reason at least in the gay world they're all treated like grinder where it's like no matter what conversation you're having they'll be like so want to meet not like to date they're like want to fuck like that is the vibe i'm yeah. getting from yeah, this yeah, and yeah, i'm like yeah, 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 yeah. okay but like that so so mr sinister is like want to meet in central park to hook up in the middle of the night and beast is like i'm afraid not um but thanks again and so then mr sinister says i hope you're not refusing to meet with me just because you're a mutant all in caps for the word mutant yeah i assure you that i know all about that and it's of no concern to me whatsoever which that's the final page of this comic is that line is mr sinister mr sinister being like i'm asking to meet and i just want to say you're gay and i know that you're gay and i'm cool with you being gay like i'm not one of those guys that's gonna like beat you up for being gay or like be weird about this when we hook up like because i'm like a straight man who also has sex with men uh <laughs> You know, also a common thing you see on these dating apps. Yeah, but that's actually not Mr. Sinister's scenario because he's like two seconds away from revealing the fact that he's yeah, also... I know, right? I mean, that's not a big reveal. It's His name's right there. Yeah. But also, um, I have a question for you when you were on dating apps for girls. Like, so at least for guys... Well, what you're, what you're probably imagining the version of is the threesome ask where the girl is in a straight relationship and she... That happens constantly. No, I was going to I was going to ask because like I'll be on when I've done dating websites, men will reach out and they'll be like, hey, really cute. We're talking. And then they go, well, actually, I'm straight. I just like want to try things out and keep it on yep. the DL. And I'm like, yep. is that That's like a, a thing. girl thing? Oh, my God. Yeah. Like, I, I, I really hope people become more comfortable with themselves and love themselves a little bit more and realize it's okay to if you're attracted to both men and women, that's cool. Yeah, like, it is cool, but <laughs> I'm not really interested in dating somebody who's that far in the closet and I never have been. Yeah, same, same. I would like find, um, I wouldn't even message back somebody with this sort of thing, but I would definitely find profiles of people being like, I'm straight, but I'm just kind of looking around and I'm like, yeah, I'm not interested in that yeah i'm not either i like i do the same thing i'm like yeah good luck um you know i'll, I'll be nice to them i'll be like i'm like yeah. oh well i'll be like you know that's that's great i'm glad you're exploring that you know i hope you find somebody for that um i don't entertain it because that sounds like a lot of drama for me personally <laughs> well it's more just like a lot of work to be with somebody who's basically still in the closet and then they need to come to terms with that and it's like that's not a place i'm at in my life i have male friends that are like so in the closet and are always reaching out to me and telling me about their sexual fantasies about other men and like then asking me questions and i'm like that already for me is so exhausting because like it is exhausting because now you're like the expert on gay stuff with them well i think they look at me and they're like oh you're confident about being gay and being out and i'm like yeah like it doesn't really bother me 
And sometimes I get approached by other men that are my friends that are like, yeah, but you don't act like a gay man. And I'm always like, what the fuck does that even mean? Like, who determines what a gay man acts like? Yeah. Well, also, you should probably show them that video of you singing Britney Spears as a child. (laughs) (laughs) I was like 13. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But anyway, uh, do you want to talk about issue number nine or? Yes. But first, I just want to say that in this I am chat, uh, a beast thanks Mr. Sinister for a generous offer which in the gay world is lingo for like sex work yeah i mean that's how this whole thing comes across because mr sinister's like i just want to pay you no reason ha 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 (laughs) (laughs) i'll play i'll pay you if you blow me i'm very generous yeah it's just like a lot of lingo here it's like damn this is like the gayest shit i've seen in x-men evolution by far it's just mr sinister showing up and gaining up the place like instantly i like it too because um i've read enough interviews with the x-men evolution team by now to know that they had no plans for mr sinister to be included um sadly but clearly devin grayson had plans and she was like i'm putting him in the comic and i love that for her they said that like they hadn't gotten far enough to really determine that they had like toyed with the idea but they were more focused on dark phoenix and the hellfire club apocalypse and dark phoenix yeah like they had many other villains that they were more interested in which whatever right and they said like and i i respect what they said because i the producers said that they enjoyed the slow build that they were on i really liked it too look i'm i'm not judging them i'm just saying clearly this is something that devin grayson included on her own which i just want to give her a shout out because i thought it was great I, well we like devin grayson i am so excited that she wrote nightwing okay so this final issue has no purpose it's by a guest writer it's basically that episode with arcade again except this is just a separate party that they had after the arcade party because it, it didn't work out. But it doesn't make sense because in this issue, it's as though it's the first time they've ever had a party. It's also like the same premise where Kitty and Kurt want to have the party and Gene and Scott don't. And Rogue also is just there. And like, I feel like it is the same episode almost. Like I feel like I feel like it's happening concurrently and that like the Brotherhood did show up in addition to Arcade being there. And this yeah. is just like a whole other scenario that was happening. The only thing that doesn't work is that Gene and Scott are also here for this party. But like, we don't know how the Arcade episode ended with the party. We don't know how people left. And I, I would buy that the Brotherhood just shows up and like crashes the party also looking for the same thing that arcade and mystique was like it, i would i would buy that mystique sent the brotherhood in to be like okay try to get in cerebro knowing that the brotherhood wouldn't be able to do it so she could like walk around with arcade and get in there as risty and arcade because the x-men were too preoccupied dealing with the brotherhood yeah bouncing around the house right like that is what i would have bought and i feel like that is the story that's actually happening here but it's not said out loud and it's it's hard to understand where it's happening um there's also two jokes in here that i can't stand and they're both at fred's expense yeah the fred ones yeah i mean there's two of the same joke about fred which is like he's so excited about the huge kitchen at the expansion and that joke is repeated twice which it's not funny no it's three times he walks in and he goes i bet they have a huge kitchen i want to eat all their food then later kitty has to distract him by popping out and be like hey do you want to dance he's like no i don't really dance and she goes well we have a huge kitchen if you want to eat our food and then later they show him in the kitchen and Kitty's like wow he's so happy and passed out and asleep in the kitchen because he ate all our food and i was like it's so Jesus stupid Christ. it's like he doesn't even have a characterization in this in this comic book like no he just eats a lot of food and he's fat which is unfortunate 
Well, you know who else eats a lot of food? Kurt Wagner. I know. Always eating. But Always eating. it's not positioned as like disgusting. Whereas in this, it's like, wow, this is his weakness. He doesn't give a shit about dancing with Kitty and like how sexy she is. He doesn't care about that. All he cares about is food. And it's like, okay, whatever. This is so annoying. Yeah, I know. Although ironically, Kurt is the other body horror character. He is. And I feel like that is in- an intentional. I mean, not in a good way. No, but I yeah. don't think so either. But like, I was just like, I'm over it. I'm at the point now that I just yeah. am always rooting for Fred and like any comic or adaption. I am not excited for Wolverine the X-Men because you're going to be mad when they first introduce him because they're like, he's so heavy that he shakes the entire ground when he walks. And I was like, oh, oh, they have a joke about that in this comic too, or one of the comics Do they really? where he like sits down on the couch and like avalanche flies off of it at one point i that might be that might be in one of the earlier comics no that was in the one with the rogue coming by yeah i don't like it i mean i just this was the time period and it's only gotten marginally better since then but it is hard to read listen like i i have multiple fat family members they don't sit on the couch and the couch does not tip over i will confirm i know it's just presented as like a comedic it also doesn't break yeah <laughs> like just saying like, yep okay uh i also just uh, the art being so different in this comic i it would be it's just a very different art style and it's super different from the show which makes it kind of hard to parse in a certain way because it's like it just feels it's weird. jarring i don't yeah. hate the art i feel like no it doesn't... no 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 it's it's interesting it's sort of like a johnny the homicidal maniac art style it's very like lots of really black lines and shading and like really different hairstyles scott has a slick back hairstyle for the party which is hilarious for like 12 reasons um i even like toad's design i it took me a minute to adjust the art change but i didn't hate it i was like this is kind of fun yeah i just feel like it's it's jarring and it's like just because this is the last issue and it's an issue that i wasn't into i just was like all of this feels wrong <laughs> like it feels like an alternate universe or something like it just yeah seems wrong inherently now that i'm looking at it you're right it really does have that like invader zim style to it yeah it is it's definitely very different from the art style of the show though right and then after that there were no more issues of this comic book that's right it was kind of nice to see some backstory onto where storm wolverine even came from because that was never addressed in the show and so at least we got a little bit of that there i felt like this comic was supposed to fill in the gaps but like i also feel like there just wasn't any communication about what i think they were like here, Devin, you have to write a story about this. We're not going to tell you what we've already written. Here you go. Yeah. That's kind of the vibe of these comic books. Are they enjoyable? Yeah. I mean, like, I do think that they have some of the same depth that the cartoon has because those issues with Nightcrawler hating himself and then also the issue with Mimic. Toad. Really also. good. Yeah, Toad. I felt like the conversations and the writing, the dialogue for Xavier is spot, spot on. on like spot on. just in general i mean we said this at the beginning but i feel like the dialogue is what's really strong the plots not so much but that's okay if you can overlook that it's pretty good i i think if i had to rate this i would give it like a three out of five which sounds low that's where i'm but at but it's it's only because it's kind of confusing to read these but not a, not necessarily like in a bad way that like breaks your immersion or something it's more just like you have to kind of take or leave certain parts of it because they're confusing and that can be a weird thing to do to your brain <laughs> where you're just like, wait a minute, what's going on? <laughs> yeah, I, I, that's kind of tough for us to do because we don't really rate seasons 
on yeah. our show and that's kind of like what this is is like an additional season almost and we don't yeah i mean i guess we could have rated each individual comic but we're not going to do that but i can say that i can give two i'll give fives to those two episodes i listed before with mimic and yeah i really liked those the one with gene and toad and also the one with kurt hating himself i think those are really good i think those are strong issues mm-hmm. i'll give like a three or four to the baseball one just because it's fun and i enjoyed it you know i don't think it has any bearing on these stories but it is i i feel like us x-men fans love it when mutant ball happens like it's only truly the x-men when there is an issue dedicated solely to the x-men playing baseball with their superpowers which somehow has not been turned into a video game yet and maybe it should probably because it would be really really hard to do that like it's hard enough to make baseball simulations and now you want to add in different powers for every single person in every position i disagree because i played i played the shit out of that tiny tune sega genesis game that was like tiny tune soccer and everyone had different powers in that okay but soccer would be easier because wait that's- maddie did you ever play mega man soccer Okay, soccer is completely different, Ryan. It's easier to program that because it's just a field and you can run around and everybody basically has the same position because nobody respects soccer rules and everybody just has the same position there except goalie. Whereas baseball, you have different things you have to do on every base. I don't know why I'm arguing about this. The point is these comics are pretty fun. Yeah, they're fun. There won't be this video game. Besides, Jubilee's probably (laughs) too busy playing Elden Ring right now anyway. Oh, definitely. Like um, 100%. So do you want to talk about who's gay? Oh, <laughs> I'm glad to, I thought you were going to say, do you want to talk about Elden Ring? I'm like, we're never going to leave. <laughs> no. <laughs> who's gay? The because so many characters are gay and this was so many comics i'm like i don't know where to start okay yeah so evan's gay evan is obviously gay okay like i guess start to finish beast and mr sinister okay yeah i guess we should we should go from the beginning to the end you're right so the beginning is xavier Xavier and and magneto Magneto. okay we got that (laughs) they're they're gay they're dating they were actively dating that episode they were issue nothing's gay in cyclops's thing or jeans really um And then after that, it's the Kurt issue. Was there anybody gay in that? Right, which is more metaphorical. Although I do feel like Kurt and Scott have a certain tension in that. Also, there was like that moment with Logan and Scott when they were kind of gay, but it was a little weird. Yeah, it's more just like Logan realizing that he has to babysit a bunch of 16 year olds and being like, this is weird. I'm young and I don't know what I'm doing. So like are Evan and Calvin having sex? I don't think they are, but I feel like Calvin is kind of like traumatized slash by curious and evan is like more of an openly queer kid who's who's like figuring himself out and calvin knows that about him and is kind of like i want to know more about this but i'm gonna like get out my yayas on teasing him yeah (laughs) you know what i mean like it's just it's an interesting social relationship for that reason that i feel like is kind of realistic 
Evan, I just read as a queer character at this point. Yeah, me too. Like, I, I don't know if that was intentional or not. And Beast also. You know what's really interesting is that, like, Beast, both on TS and this show, and Sue Wolverine the X-Men, like, for some reason, I just read him as queer. Like, I know yeah. we always revisit this, but, like, that plot line in New X-Men where they had Beast come out and then Cyclops was like, you're not actually gay. I'm like... But what if he is, dude, and you just shoved him right back in the closet? I really feel like Beast is not straight at all. Like, yeah. I, you know, it's like Danny Moonstar where I'm like, I'm like, she's gay. Am I supposed to believe these characters are straight as an arrow? Because that is not the vibe I get. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, that's who's gay. It wasn't that exciting. I mean, like we kind of like went into it when we were there live. Yeah, I'm thinking nobody else is really coming to mind for me. I mean, Callisto, Callisto and Storm didn't even have a moment where they seemed like they were gonna fuck and they usually do i know instead it was weird because callisto was kidnapping warren and all that stuff i don't nobody knows what was happening there it just was happening yeah it's not even worth trying to explain it um so yeah this was fun we got to read some comic books for the show and we did we that did. happened um so should we promote the fact that we did the x gala we haven't done it yet but we did do it we will have already done it by the time this episode comes out. Yes, we should do that. Okay, so Maddie and I have partaken in an X Gala, which is not live, but you can watch the video on House of X. Yeah, we don't know what's going to happen on it yet. Let me let me clarify. House of X podcast on YouTube. That'll be the best way to find it. Yes. Where it gathers many other X-Men major podcasts at this time. And we just kind of like talk about our thoughts in the past year. It started last year. Maddie and I missed it last year because I was traveling to New Jersey. Yeah. But also, I think they did like an X-Men trivia game last year. I don't know if they're going to do that again this year, but we're going to try our luck if they do. Uh, we'll see if we can win or not. I don't know. We haven't gone to this party yet. so No, we haven't. Um, and so we'll see what happens. We dress up. Yeah, it's the X Gala. And I have a whole Mr. Sinister thing. We don't have um, Emma Frost's like shower curtain beads or whatever. We can you imagine <laughs> if i had that i would put it on but i i just don't own that so i can't i'm no. just gonna have to wear a suit i guess oh well yeah and so they're really wonderful people we get to talk with other podcasters that are in the x-men podcast universe um and so yeah i i suggest go and check it out if you haven't seen it yet it will have been promoted on our social media but i'll just you know, we'll make a reminder in the show notes to go and check it out with a link there and you can read it there mm -hmm. or see it there. You can read it. You can read this YouTube video. All right. So what are we going to do next week, Ryan, for this show, this little podcast that we do? The next episode is going to be our wrap up episode on X-Men Evolution. The last time we did this was for X-Men the Animated Series. And sadly, we have to say goodbye. Mm -hmm. But we are going to watch Days of Future Past, The Road yes. Cut. We're going to do a reader mail. And we're going to do a listener mail. So like, get those listens and mails in, and we will be more than happy to answer them. That's right. Um, speaking of which, let me just check out MutantAges.com, shall we? What is it? What is MutantAges.com? So it's a website. Can you reach it by going to that, that, what, that new website? ScienceScene.net. Uh, <laughs> as soon as I purchase ScienceScene.net, yes, you will be able to reach it that way. Um, <laughs> but also it is a way to find uh, the methods by which you can contact us, which are our email address, TheMutantAges at gmail.com. There's a Discord server you can join, and there's even a questions for listener listener feedback episodes, there's a questions channel in there among many other wonderful channels. That link is at mutantages.com to join it. And we have a voicemail inbox, 1508-319-1668 and a P.O. box for physical mail, P.O. box 3344, Natick, Massachusetts, 01760. 
And we open that physical mail over on our YouTube channel, which is the Mutant Ages on YouTube. Uh, do you want to talk about that, Rye? Sure. Uh, if you go to the Mutant Ages on YouTube, you can catch us doing unboxings. We do live videos of us reading X-Men screenplays that have not been... Uh, uh, hold on. Made I, into yeah, movies. I, I literally just got a message about from House of X podcast that just popped up in my face. I was like, wait, hold on. <laughs> uh, okay, so you can also go there on their YouTube channel, House of X podcast. Um, but we read the screenplays for movies that have not been produced. We sometimes pair the dialogue from our podcast to the animation of the cartoons. We make parody videos. We play through X-Men video games. We are playing through the final Game Gear game. Well, we've done it. Yeah, we did it. We did it. We recorded it. Fun story is that like we... So if you follow me on Twitch, you can actually see Maddie and I do the whole thing live because I put on Twitch also just to back it up. Mm-hmm. So so people could technically watch the entire Let's Play live, uncut, although it's not live Shout anymore. Shout out to Boudet who showed up and I was like, oh, hey. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's fine. We've always done that. We've always secretly had the, the streams of the games live. But yeah. I personally like the edited versions, which cut out all the the in-between moments or moments where we're looking at the walkthrough or whatever. How do we play yeah, like this game? We, we edit together a more condensed version, especially because these games... <laughs> I don't even know how to describe the Game Gear games. But anyway, this is a relatively short one. We beat it. We're going to upload all the levels to our YouTube channel and you can watch us beat this video game. That's right. It's pretty good. And we are also all over social media. That's another way you can contact us if you want to. We're the Mutant Ages on Twitter, Tumblr, TikTok, Pinterest, Facebook, Instagram. You name it, we got it. We're the Mutant Ages on there. We're individually on those platforms. I'm at Mitty Myers on all those platforms. How about you? I'm at Ryan Pagella on ins- uh, on Twitter and on Twitter. Wait, hold on. I'm going to start that over. <laughs> on Twitter, oh I'm Ryan on Twitter. And on Twitter, I'm Ryan. Um, <laughs> <laughs> on Twitter, I'm Ryan Pagella. And on Instagram, I'm Ryan.Pagella. On YouTube, I'm Ryan Pagella's Theme Parks and Adventures. I'm getting out there again. It's time to get back to theme park season. Yeah, you're going to Disney soon. That's oh my the God. trip you're I'm going gonna have, on. I'm, I'm going to come back with like 18 vlogs because we're doing like Four days in Disney, one day in SeaWorld, another day at both Universal Parks. So Wow. Big yeah. trip. It so Ryan's gonna trip. have a lot of videos. It's Katie's birthday. Katie hasn't done anything since the beginning of the pandemic because she's like, I am going on a vacation before I murder everyone at work. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, that's fair, Katie. That is fair. That is fair. Um, I will be at home editing the Days of Future Past episode during this time period. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll send you pictures. Yeah, it'll be yeah. great. Maddie will, Maddie will join us again someday. Someday. Um, so that's that. Uh, we have many other ways that you can support us. We have a store. There's a link to the store in the episode description. You can buy t-shirts or mugs or masks or tote bags, whatever you want with the Mutant Ages logo or Bishop jumping out of the bushes saying time travel is real. And we also have a Patreon, patreon.com slash the Mutant Ages, where we talk about Marvel movies, DC movies, TV shows, all kinds of things in our bonus episodes and also, we give a shout out on the show to our highest tier Patreon supporters. Whom are they? They are not Mimic, <laughs> uh, but they are Samuel B, So Means, Soren B, and Zach S. Thank you very much for joining us and being our top tier supporters. And also Thank shout out you. to everyone who's new to the Discord because there have been 
some oh, new nice. lovely faces in there and i just want to say hey yay thank you for supporting us hello write in write in a question for the listener mail write one in your time is coming i don't know what that is oh, I, i'm so just saying it's time for us to go um, it is time for us to go yeah goodbye x-men evolution except not goodbye yet because we're going to do a recap episode next week where we talk about everything and process our feelings yeah i know all right well we'll see you next time see you next time the mutant